0: I'm back. Please remember to follow and rate wherever you are. Um, If you're on Spotify, obviously remember to subscribe, spread the word. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate uh, five stars and comment and, you know, do all that good stuff. And yeah, let's let's get right into it. It's going to be a real, real short one this time around. So this past week, obviously, a lot has been going on in the world. Um, In terms of sports and everything from the NFL starting to the NCAA starting to football, um, getting a date for the Big Ten starting up and basketball starting up, NCAA basketball. And yeah, but I'm going to focus primarily on the upcoming events in the playoffs and what we've seen already in the playoffs and my predictions for the Conference Finals. So... Here we go. So, as far as the NBA goes, there's been a lot of surprises, a lot of historic moments, and a lot of just, you know, new, brand new narratives and a lot of new discussions to have when it comes to what's going on the next season and what's even going on in the immediate future of the playoffs. And so, like, I mean, I just want to get into it and I just want to start off with the Eastern Conference because I feel like I feel like that's where we got some of the best games of the playoffs thus far. So let's get right into it. So the Heat and the Bucks. What did I say, y'all? I told you the Bucks just look completely out of it. Giannis is always gonna be Giannis, but everyone around him the role players they just didn't look like they were in there to win and that's what happened they lost the only game where they really they really edged it out in the end was was game four and you could even argue like the heat could have easily won that game uh but you know here we are the heat even though i said obviously they they the heat were able to we gonna be able to win it in f- in seven they took it in five and that was a shock to everyone and you know, based off of what I was saying last episode, it only makes sense that that it would end that fast if Giannis were to get injured late in the series. So now the Bucks have another season where they disappointed late, and it's just the same situation that happened against the Raptors, the role players under, underperformed, Giannis really became a non-factor in the half court, and the the opposing defense was so uh, strong and focused against him, uh, he was even a, a, basically a non-factor, even in a full-court presence. So now it's, it's a matter of what are you going to do um, next season because after then Giannis is a free agent and we're not still entirely sure whether or not he wants to stay, even though we've heard a lot... Um, there's a lot of speculation um on him staying in Milwaukee. Um definitely everyone has a chance in in free agency. Everyone has a chance to um to get at him. And and yeah, the the sweepstakes for Giannis are exciting and enticing and I'm definitely looking forward to see that. But um I also just want to address the whole coaching situation with coach Bud who really seemed adamant on, you know, putting Giannis in out at the three point line in a half court setting, knowing that, you know, he's not a good three point shooter and or he's not a shooter at all. And his his real threat is when he's in the paint. And we could have a whole discussion about how everything they almost a lot of the things that they did on offense was basically an effort to shoot themselves in the foot and, and buzz um you know, lack of concern of game management. Um definitely raise raises eyebrows for what they're gonna do in the future because you can't come out and and especially next season now that they're teams that are are heading towards the direction of becoming more defensively powerful and figuring out how you know Giannis is playing and you get you can't come out with the same stuff. So it's just they, they have to change something if they want to be able to win a championship in Milwaukee. And I definitely don't know what that is um so your only options right now is to build more around Giannis to entice him to stay or to to trade him and there are a whole bunch of viable destinations in terms of you know trading him um it it just all depends on what you want back um so yeah there's there's my my short take on the bucks um in terms of the heat and you know how they got through that I explained it last podcast, but you know, I it was really just it came down to the defense, and and it was also a, a, a matter of you know the Bucks underplaying the competition, but the Heat are really good. Like we can't discount the fact that you know Jimmy Butler is essentially essentially a, a jack of all trades. He can play, uh, I believe, anywhere from the one to the three, and and guard anyone from the one to the three. Um, in this league, and he's a very viable leader. He brings a lot of passion, and he's, I believe, brought out the best of these players. And a very crucial time. Um, we saw a lot from Hero, who is an amazing rookie, who I believe should have made the first rookie team, but he unfortunately made the second rookie team. And Dragic is an amazing six man. And from there you have Bam as well down low is doing a lot of work and you know, he he made the game saving play in game one of the Eastern Conference final, which I'll I'll talk about later, but everything that has happened here in Miami is, I believe, a direct result of Jimmy Butler and he brings a lot of what Miami had been missing, you know, since since we since Wade's knees break practically got shot. So you know we have now the Miami had the Heat have somebody to rally behind, and they have a whole bunch of viable pieces when it comes to veterans and young players. You know, veterans being Iguodala, Crowder, Butler, and Dragic, and young players being Hero, Nunn, um, Bam, and um, and uh, Duncan Robinson, of course, the cold-blooded white boy from Michigan. Um, it's it's just a direct result of Butler, and I believe he brings. The best out of teams whenever he he uh, comes whenever he arrives and you we've seen that with the the bull squad you know with uh, him and um, Dwayne Wade and uh, Rajon Rondo that went to seven with the Celtics we saw that with the Timberwolves you know he ended their playoff drought we saw that with the Sixers and the Sixers are special and because they had a very talented roster um, from. You know, from top to bottom, like I off the top of my head, like you had Simmons, you had Butler, you had Tobias Harris, you had Embiid, you had Reddick coming off the bench, Mike Scott coming off the bench, whole bunch of guys, and they underperformed. They only made the second round, and they got smacked up by the. Well, they didn't get smacked up. They took they took it to seven against the Raptors, and they were a shot away, basically from you know, making making potentially making a splash in, in the Eastern Conference Finals and even from there going to the Finals. Um, but who knows how they would have fared against Giannis at that time. But, yeah, like, they had a good team, and I'm sure Butler brought a lot out of them in that time, and he gave them a lot of good shots, and he was a very good player for them, and they wanted to keep him. But I think he knew, along with the rest of the public, that they underperformed. And I don't think knowing him, like knowing what he's been through up to that point, uh, he didn't want, he he wants to win a championship. He doesn't have time to wait. And Brett Brown, um, Ben Simmons, and his inability to shoot and, and beat and his inability to stay healthy, you know, all those confounding factors, like why would I stay? Like if I was Jimmy Butler, I'd ask myself, why would I stay? So of course he goes down to Miami with a blossoming young squad and a a completely whole different culture in terms of coaching and in terms of management. And there's definitely a lot of room to grow, but there's the only way they can go is up. And we're, we're watching them improve like day by day right now. So he made the right choice by, by picking Miami and we're just, we're watching everything history unfold right now. On the other side, we got the Celtics and the Raptors that actually went to seven games. Um, I did say the Celtics would be able to take it in six. And I was wrong. Um, They took it in seven and they should have taken it in six. But what we learned from this series, I obviously learned a lot about the Celtics. And I learned a lot about the Raptors, especially Siakam, which I will get to talking about. Um, But yeah, man we the the Celtics were literally a shot away from being up 3-0 and potentially like cleaning up the series in 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 four games obviously Ananobi had something to say about them getting swept or even going out in five so he he ended it with a you know a very clean shot from the corner in in game three and at that point it was 2-1 and then the Raptors win another one. And then, you know, the the Celtics go up 3-2. And now it's like, all right, they're going to take it in six. And then this game goes into overtime. Game, game six goes into overtime. And everyone's gassed. But, you know, Kyle Lowry puts the team on his back. And playoff Lowry, literally, playoff Lowry. Somebody who last season in the Raptors, uh, when they were playing the Warriors in the finals, we were making jokes about him. Fat boy Lowry, we're making jokes about him. And he came up and put the team on his back, literally, and and iced it by himself. Um, obviously a whole bunch of other things that happened from from Jason Tatum's like untimely turnovers to um to Toronto's really exotic defensive sets, the boxing one that, you know, even though Campbell was playing terribly, he that was a lot of the reason why he was playing so poorly and even you know, game one against the Heat, which, again, I'll talk about. Uh, he's he's playing like shit, to be honest with you. But but nonetheless, game six was a classic. Uh, you know, Twitter went wild after Kyle Lowry hit that, that turnaround jumper on, on Kemba to basically ice the game. And from there, everything that Van Fleet had said after game three, you know, like they had made a mistake. And he was right. And he now... Toronto and the Celtics are looking at a game 7 where, you know, how everyone says anything can happen. And you know, the best results weren't in in the in Toronto's favor, and I feel like it made sense this the best team came out on top in this one. Um, we all know that Lowry underperformed in that game despite having a beautiful six, game 6 30 point performance and and Siakam just that he just as he did all series didn't show up as well and Siakam ideally is supposed to be their best half court player and he shot less than 20 from the 3 and he shot um i think less than 40% from the field and this is somebody who was in the in the ballot for being most improved once again and uh he was the most improved player last year and he was ideally supposed to take the helm of um Kawhi Leonard as being the team's best wing player and Ananobi um, a role player a guy who was drafted to take threes um, and play defense a three and D guy um, outperformed Siakam on pretty much every level so I have questions about Siakam and we definitely should have a conversation about him Um, but yeah that was basically the end of the Raptors season Obviously, we know the Celtics were able to take game seven um, and pretty pretty easily um, in, in comparison to game six, obviously. And now we're looking at a heat Celtics finals. And also oh, also I want to mention like the Raptors actually have a bunch of free agents, um, free agents from Gasol, Ibaka, Boucher, and Van Vliet. And they have a lot to figure out in that department, but I know Van Vliet hopefully will take the priority uh, seeing as he's basically the best scorer on the team outside of Siakam. um, And he has the most potential and he has a lot you can work around um, in today's NBA. And you just work from there. Um, I'm excited to see what the Raptors do, but there's a lot to look forward to. Um, for the Raptors, so if you're if you're a Toronto fan, even though it was a heartbreaking ending to what happened this season, there's definitely a lot to look forward to in the off season, and there's a lot to look forward to just in the future in general when you have guys like Siakam and Lowry, and and Van Vliet leading your team. So there's that. And then there were two in the Eastern Conference. Now we are looking at a Heat and Celtics Eastern Conference Finals and I am just going to get right into it in terms of what I'm worried about for Boston. Um, obviously, we saw Ken, Kemba underperform, and I mentioned that he, he underperformed um, embarrassingly. He had a a very bad um, offensive showing all throughout the Toronto series, although he, I will mention that he did hit a couple clutch shots late in game six and seven, um, and he did hit a, a a pair of clutch shots if i'm not mistaken in overtime and in the fourth quarter in game one of the eastern conference finals but what we need what the celtics need from from Kemba, is um all around like Kemba, like 20 point scoring performance in order to like hit the next gear and get past the heat because in terms of offensive on in terms of anyone on offense like the he haven't been challenged and i'll I'll mention that later um but yeah and also on the other end um tatum is the best score on the team we know this and he has a tendency to you know settle for a lot of turnarounds it's a lot of settle for a lot of flashy shots and and passes and it screws the celtics in in many ways and i, I think he's when he's a patient player that's when tatum is at his best When he really isn't like scrambling for a shot and when he's able to, you know, find his spot, that's when Tatum is at his best. And and that's when when they're the whole offense is at their best, because now Tatum is a threat. And, you know, you add Kemba to that and Jalen to that, assuming they're all scoring. um, That's when they're working. And that's at the top of the list of things that I'm worried about and things that obviously we saw affect them in game one. Um, secondly, like uh, or thirdly, I guess I'm also worried about the the scoring droughts and, and some that's something that's the reason why Toronto was able to stay in it and Toronto was able to come back in a lot of these games. Um, you can just look at the third quarter of you know game four through basically seven. Uh, the Raptors, I mean, excuse me, the Boston Celtics. They they went on brief scoring droughts and the Raptors were basically, essentially able to get back into the, these games and make it competitive in each ending. And against a team that is as disciplined as the Heat um, and as coached well as the Heat, not to say, like, you know, Nick Nurse is a bad coach, but Sposher has the experience, and Sposher and the Heat especially, with a guy like Jimmy Butler leading your team that will pounce on these opportunities to... um take the lead and and hang on to it but yeah that's what i'm worried about in terms on on the side of the celtics um as far as what i'm worried about is the with the heat um first off as i mentioned early they never really had a true challenge in the playoffs if you go out this season obviously if you just remember like they played a, a beaten up heat uh pacers team who their best player was um a tj warren who was having a amazing stint in the bubble um i'm sure you can attribute all of his attribute boosts that he was uh given thanks you can attribute all that to the bubble and you you know there was a beaten up oladipo and no sabonis so that was an easy easy sweep for them and then you play a, a bucks team that you know isn't even the best team in the conference anymore because the role players don't seem to show up. And, you know, Giannis is obviously going to be Giannis, as I like to say. And he gets injured in the third game. So, and they win. They win that in five. And they only, now you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You've only lost one game. And you've played, um, how many is that? Nine. And you've never struggled or faltered really at any point so a lot of the logic people are using obviously is you know because with that being the case the Heat will be able to take out the Celtics because you know they've been able to handle everyone else with ease and that's an easy argument to make and it was an argument that I can admit I made myself and I initially thought yes the Heat would be able to take this in six but this is an obvious concern um this is a point in the playoffs where teams are really going to bring it and now that the the Celtics have come off a game seven and they've you know they've seen what it takes to really um take it to the next level um and they've hopefully taken it to the next gear I mean we saw a little bit of it Kemba still seems to be struggling in game one from what we saw in game one um but yeah the heat the heat have to bring it and they did bring it in game one but I still I still believe that the Celtics would be able to take it in a 6 and but anyways what in terms of what I was worried about besides um the heat never being challenged um I was also my other question is like can Jimmy be productive when he isn't at the line he got a whole bunch of points um when he was able to get fouled and and attack the basket in in the previous series and and just in game 1 you know he only took um less than less than 10 free throw shots when in 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 the buck series he took about almost 11 free throws a game and those were basically like half his points and that means a lot for his game he takes a lot of tough tough shots and we saw that in in the end of game one from his three pointer and his um and one on jason tatum that basically you know tidied up the game but what Jimmy Butler is where he's valuable is when he's able to attack the basket and if I, if they can stop him and if if they were able to do it more frequently obviously they weren't able to do it when it mattered the most um if they're able to keep him away from attacking the basket which I know is a a hard a hard ask but if they're able to do that Jimmy Butler is essentially ineffective outside of you know creating plays for other people and we know he can't shoot from behind the line, from the three-point line consistently. Um, I did watch game one, but you know he can't shoot from behind the three-point line consistently. He's definitely the worst three-point shooter um, on the team. But, yeah, uh, it's just keeping him away from the line that that is important. And on the other end of the what I'm concerned about for the Heat is, you know, can they handle three 20-point scorers and the possible addition of Hayward – at some point in the series depending on what happens to him personally with his child um you know i've said this before kemba jalen and tatum are serious threats when they all get going but obviously it starts with tatum if he can get going and if he can you know be patient and take those really easy shots that i know he can and can work on taking and you know jalen played pretty consistently well outside of a a poor performance and I believe game four where he dropped like fourteen on on pretty pretty poor splits. But Kemba has has to step up. And if he does, you're looking at a heat team that now has to went from you know dealing with with the likes of Middleton and a beaten up Giannis to three very, very challenging cards to defend when you only have a good a good two consistent defenders um right now who could take them in in um Crowder and Butler um Iguodala still really isn't isn't the Iguodala I I I remember from Golden State he seems like he's aged a good 30 years from from when he stepped out of uh, California but anyways like my question is can they handle all three of them when they're going and And when they're not going on these terrible scoring droughts and they haven't had that challenge to deal with. And that's a big concern. Um, you know, obviously, obviously they've played good defense all playoffs and their whole entire time in the bubble. And obviously Bam Adebayo is a defensive anchor that I would be very worried about if I was the Celtics, because again, um, similar to Embiid in the in the in the Sixers there's really no one that can really defend him besides Robert Williams um Tice obviously got into serious foul trouble um last game and it seems like foul trouble is something he gets into often um he got fouled out last game in overtime but you should expect a lot more Robert Williams minutes upcoming into this Eastern Conference Finals um but you have to remember the The Celtics have been able to take two of the three times they met throughout the season. And it seems like on paper, the Celtics are the better team. Um, But, you know, of course, the narrative is right now like the Heat are looking like the most confident and the best team in the East. But please, please, let's not forget how good the Celtics are, because we a lot of people said the same thing about the Raptors. And they were just stuck in the narrative because the Raptors were the second seed. You know, they destroyed all expectations of, you know, as soon as Kawhi left, they were going to go back to being a lottery team. And they, of course, went above and beyond. And the Heat, like the Raptors, went above and beyond in terms of, expect, in terms of expectations. And again, now where a lot of people, journalists and fans alike, are saying that. Um, the Celtics won't be able to match up to it because of the hype and they don't really have a lot of viable explanations as to why the Heat will be able to take out the Celtics. Um, I feel like with that being said, I feel like the only way the Celtics lose this based off of their talent is if n- people don't show up, is if Kamba doesn't show up, if is if K- Tatum continues to play the way that he plays and and you know guys aren't playing like their 20 point scoring selves. Um, and, and with that being said, I still have a, an inexplicable confidence in the Celtics to be able to take this in, in six or seven. I'm not really sure right now, but, um, man, I feel like if I were the one to say six games, it would be crazy to, to be right on that. But after seeing game one, and I know this is cheating, um, I think the Celtics would be able to take it seven. Um, but yeah, yeah, Celtics, Celtics in seven. Now to the West, the Western conference where we had the Lakers and the Rockets facing off and the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets facing off. First, first things first, I'm going to start off with the Lakers and the Rockets and here we go. Congratulations, Lakers fans. You did exactly what you were supposed to do once again. you defeated the Rockets, and my call was right. I did say Rockets in five. you know, I heard a lot of Rockets in six talk, but um, yeah, and a lot of what happened to the Rockets was you can think your good old friend, good old inconsistent friend, um inefficient rather friend uh in in Russell Westbrook, um throwing a lot of games away because of his poor performance. He had one great game and the rest of them he shot poorly Uh, and and yeah you know imagine being a point guard on a team that focuses on shooting threes and not being able to shoot threes and on a team that focuses on drive and kick and not being able to drive and kick without turning the ball over westbrook is a, a a massive problem and you know there were reports coming out saying that westbrook he he basically uh went went full cowboy and and obstructed some plays but because he wanted to do his own thing and he wanted to take matters into his own hands and as we could obviously see um it didn't work out too well for the Rockets and it worked out great for the Lakers and we we all saw what we wanted to see but of course basketball is a team sport and their losses cannot be entirely attributed to Westwood Westbrook it, it has to be attributed to the team as a whole. And when you live and die by the three, you will die by the three. And that is how the Rockets essentially went out. They they couldn't make shots. They couldn't keep up with the Lakers when they were missing shots. And even when they were making shots, they really couldn't keep up with the Lakers. And yeah, man, like I, I don't know what this says about Harden's legacy. I do know it means that we should stop comparing him to Dwayne Wayne, but Dwayne Wade, but that's what I have to say about that and, and how they lost. And outside of game one, like the Lakers just outplayed the Rockets in every way, shape, and form. And I don't really uh I don't really feel like I need to talk about this. Um I feel like if had it been the Rockets um miraculously taking the series we would be looking at a whole brand new NBA coming in out of the offseason. or at the very least, we'd be heading in that direction. Uh, but obviously, we know that three point—at least we know now—that a team that relies 100% on three point shooting is not sustainable. And maybe we'll find out with now that now with D'Antoni out, and there's a whole question about there's no whole new question about who whether or not Harden. Has been shooting this this axis of threes because of the request of D'Antoni, or if that's just how he's been playing freely um, under the tutelage of Fran to- D'Antoni, and that's a, another thing that I'm curious about. And we'll obviously see when he gets a new coach. Will he end up playing better, or w- are we gonna see the same things? And are we gonna see the same playing style from him? It's it's totally it's up to the coach and. It'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. But anyways, I feel like 3-point shooting and building a team that can shoot nothing but threes would be valued so so much more. We would see a, a whole culture shift similar to what had happened after, you know, Curry and Thompson, the Splash Brothers had their whole string of of dominant years. Um um I feel like with what happened there, it, it's generally affected What's what we're seeing now in the NBA and the prioritization of three-point shooting. And had the Rockets sort of accelerated this mindset to everyone shoots threes and everyone has to be able to shoot. And had they won, you would see, because now, like, if teams were like, okay, GMs are like, okay, the Rockets can do it. We sure can too. So let's draft guys and let's put together a team and let's find our P.J. Tucker and make a team like that. So if, had the Rockets won we'd see a lot less players like um, Embiid. we see a lot less players like, um, what's the the guy's name who plays for the Jazz? Gobert. we see a lot less players who, centers rather, and big men who are very back to the basket and very um, defense-oriented. Um, we'd still have more defensive stalwarts, but they would be more adept at shooting threes. And that would have been dangerous if the Rockets had won, but... Thankfully, they they didn't. We'd be looking at a very boring game, boring future of basketball had they had they won. Um, but yeah, the Lakers, they just did what they were supposed to do. They played defense. You know, I mean, LeBron had some trouble with the refs, and AD did his thing, and all the role players did their thing. Also, yeah, let me let me mention playoff Rondo. Like he gave them some of their best minutes when when Rondo was on the court and LeBron was off the court. He gave them very good playmaking minutes and on offense and on defense and i didn't know he his his impact would be as significant as it was but it looks like we're seeing another great iteration of playoff rondo and i'm excited to what it holds for them for the rest of the playoffs assuming they make it to the finals and yeah like his it seems like his injury would have if he was healthy last series, like I would definitely say a sweep for, for against the Blazers because with LeBron off the court and like Rondo's doing his thing, like like and he's playing at an elite level or at least um, elite level in terms of a role player, man the 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 Lakers are different. And then and if AD is playing significant minutes at the five against anyone really, anyone left in the playoffs really, the Lakers are just a different beast and everyone should be terrified. They're the real team in of LA and everyone should be terrified. But yeah, like I just are we ready to give the Lakers their their finals trophy and um are we ready to give LeBron another Bill Russell finals MVP? Um because that that's basically what I'm I'm heading towards right now. Um but yeah. Uh i will I'll talk about the the Lakers in Denver east western conference finals which even now that sounds weird coming out of my mouth but shout out to the lakers y'all did what you had to do you know easy work gentleman's sweep and yeah (sighs) clippers 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 so (laughs) there's a lot to say about this series man another 3-1 win 3-1 comeback by the nuggets another 3-1 disappointment under the coaching of doc rivers in los angeles and you know now there's a whole lot to talk about in terms of what the clippers are actually are is is a fraud is is pg a choke artist is patrick beverly is it true is there are the reports of what westbrook says like is patrick beverly does he really just run around all the time like with all these things like and along with them laughing at the trailblazers and Damian Lillard and and them and Marcus Morris and his whole situation with Doncic and trying to injure him basically or allegedly trying to injure him if you want to put it that way and then his whole debacle with Millsap and how just the Clippers attitude throughout the season altogether it It made them the most insufferable team in the playoffs and basically the most insufferable team in the bubble and There was just a lot to go off and in, in making fun at them and making fun of them and it just it seems like we are in narrative wasteland, and it's not looking good for the clippers obviously there's i I don't have to go into a lot of that, but Twitter ripped them apart for for us all and if you were on Twitter um on the night of September fifteenth when the Clippers had absolute work done to them by the likes of Jamal Murray and, and and Jokic, you would you would have seen like everything that transpired during and after that game. Obviously, like the Clippers have blown multiple double digit leads from from the moment they went up three one in each game and it was just shocking to see like this is a team that a lot of us had favorites. I had favorites um, looking into the nineteen twenty season to win it all. And you have this is a team that is no way a super team, but there were a lot of comparisons to like we're waiting for the battle of LA, Lakers and Clippers, and the Western Conference Finals. That's all that's gonna happen. That's all the Western, the West is gonna lead up to. So whatever you see in in the eight seeds, it doesn't matter. And come to find out, we're we're in the bubble now. They have a whole a ton of rest, and the bubble perfectly it sets the perfect conditions for everything. It's an equalizer. Everyone going into the series is looking to be healthy, and they'll have a, they're gonna have several days to rest. And now, oh man, there's just so much to get into. Um, first of all, I want to point out that the Clippers lost because they underperformed. It wasn't. I, as much as anyone will tell you, it wasn't a lot of what happened uh, with the Nuggets. They haven't. The Nuggets, uh, I've obviously, obviously been playing at a very great level, and they. I'm not going to knock them for this, but they've been playing at an elite level in the bubble. But a lot of what happened was because of the Clippers' undoing. Uh, and it, from Kawhi played crazy games uh, leading up to game 7 obviously where he probably had his worst game in the bubble at a terrible time mind you and but outside of quiet every role player was either inconsistent or they just played flat out terrible throughout the whole thing for starters pandemic p playoff p paul george himself um f- aside from the complaints and 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 the excuses that he made Uh, later on, and I'm not going to talk about the mental health, which is a, a viable reason why he was playing poorly earlier, but I'm talking about the excuses that he made after, you know, saying that this team wasn't really actually a team that they saw making the finals, when in reality, you know, you left the Thunder in hopes to make, in hopes to find a roster in which you can make the finals with, and this was that team, and this was the team that everyone was saying was going to either make the finals or at least at the very least meet the lakers in the in the western conference finals so when you along with the rest of the world are participating in conversations that are basically saying that this is a championship or bust team you can't turn around and be like well actually we aren't a championship or bust team we are actually just a team that's building to get to a championship level this was just a minor hiccup on our way to way to getting to that point so he can't you can't say that and then Kawhi comes out with saying, um, basically saying that the the chemistry was poor, and we can attribute that to the fact that throughout the whole season we were talking about um, load management with Kawhi, and load management with much of the team. Now PG gets a pass in this respect because he was injured for um, the first half, first portion of the season with uh, coming off a shoulder injury, his surgery obviously, and but obviously when you have your best players playing together this was the only time that that full roster played together and of course you could see and a lot of what Kwame said mentioned about lack of chemistry made sense because you can see like they didn't they didn't seem like they worked together I was seeing a lot of plays that ended up in the hands at the end of the shot club it ended up somehow in the hands of like a guy like Marcus Morris or a guy like Lou Williams when 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 Kawhi and PG are already on the court. Like, you had a whole season, <laughs> all this rest, and you it seems like you guys don't even know how to play t- with each other. And the reason why is because of load management. But, yeah, this is a team that has a former defensive player of the year, a 2-6 man of the years, um, a guy who last season was an MVP runner-up, or at least in the conversation of being an MVP, and um, and a Defensive Player of the Year as well, and it just didn't look right from beginning to end. Uh, well, actually, no. It looked right from the time they went 3-1, but from that point on, it, it looked pretty terrible, and it was embarrassing to watch guys like Landry Shaman continue to brick shots. Lou Will continue to brick shots. Uh, Montrez Harrell, you know, screaming and yelling and not really putting up any real defensive effort against Jokic. And Zubac getting in constant foul trouble. And, you know, Marcus Morris, despite being like an 18 points per game scorer with the Knicks, playing terribly inefficiently as well. And Paul George playing inefficiently as well, despite being an all-star player, despite being the second best. Not all the blame should go on Kawhi. Um, while I feel like in some ways he is responsible for the lack of chemistry they have in clutch moments not all of the blame should go on Kawhi but this is just terrible and I don't think they should scrap it going on to next season because but it's a lot to think about because next season Kawhi and Paul George have two years on their contract with the Clippers and after next season they're free agents so there's a lot to think about in terms of what you're going to do with this. And obviously, this is another discussion to be had when it comes to what you gave up for Paul George. You gave up multiple picks. Now you don't have a first-round pick till 2027, and you gave up Shea and Danilo Gallinari for a Paul George player who seemingly is a fraud in the playoffs, and he might even be a fraud moving forward. Um, but now that he's a laughingstock of the NBA, maybe he'll he'll change a step because, as we know, um, at least in the case of Kuzma, and you know many other players in in at least internet history who have been bullied on the internet, they they tend to get better. But in the case of Paul George, in all seriousness, like you're the second best player on the team. There's really no excuses for not being able to get past a team that was clearly inferior. So with all that being said, shout out to the Clippers for being the worst team in Los Angeles and being in in and, and welcome back to the, the basement of the Staples Center. But again, shout out to the Nuggets, man. You guys are absolute beasts. Making playoff history back to back three one deficits turned into seven game game 7 victories and now you find yourself in the western conference finals uh western conference finals you haven't made since you know you since Carmelo been on the team so man Jamal Murray Jokic Jokic is making the case for being the best center in the league and I believe he is the best center in the league and Mike Malone is is working towards an extension and Jamal Murray now is defeating the conversation of whether or not he's an inconsistent player now it looks like he's one of the best best guards in the league at the moment and it's depending on what happens in the future we'll find out whether or not it's a it's a result of the bubble or if it's the nuggets are actually good and we haven't been paying attention but yeah the nuggets man they're not only a really good three-point shooting team that i don't think people talk about enough um they've been playing really good defense as well, and guys like jeremy Grant have not been spoken about a lot, and guys like Gary Harris have meant a lot for them and m p j Maga Porter jr has meant a lot for them as well, you know, even though he hasn't been as great as he was prior to the playoffs he has met he's he he hit a couple good threes, especially the three that he made in in game six and a couple of you know energy providing plays so looking forward to the the Lakers playoff series I mean Lakers um West the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers it'll be interesting and I'm going to talk about it so the Lakers Nuggets um the Nuggets playing the Nuggets is obviously the best case scenarios for the Lakers they don't have to deal with the likes of Paul George or at least in this case Kawhi Leonard and now you you your biggest concern right now is a very uh, on-fire Jamal Murray and a, a very, very good uh, Jokic. And I feel like they can defend both these guys pretty well. Um, Rondo has, is pretty good on defense, as we all know. Caruso has been a tremendous uh, piece for them, and he's stepped out in the past few games in the Rockets series. And, um you know Danny Green has improved in his shooting a lot more and Anthony Davis will be able to hold it down low along with McGee and Dwight Howard assuming if Dwight Howard is going to get more minutes which I don't think will be the case I'd I'd rather give it to McGee um but that's besides the point um I feel like they'll be able to hold it down low and yeah I I've still as it, simple as it is as as interesting as it would be to watch it's the best case, like I said, it's the best case scenario for the Lakers, and they'd be able to finish this up in five. Obviously, they would, as they have the entire playoffs, they would give up game one. Um, I I do see Murray taking a lot of games on on his back, and and Jokic doing a lot of amazing things in 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 the in the half court as he does. Um, but I feel like the Lakers will take it much more seriously than the Clippers and the Jazz have and now that they know that the the Nuggets have the propensity to come back and they have that, that fire within them, they they are definitely going to bring it all and this time in the playoffs is when teams really, really bring out their best selves or when teams really fold. Um but being that being said, like the Lakers are obviously the better team in this in this um conversation. And while it will be interesting to see how Jokic um, deals with the pasturing defense of everyone on the Lakers, and how, how I just wanna, I just like seeing Jokic play, to be honest with you, and how he he dishes out the ball and how he plays with so much patience. And I want to see Murray shoot lights out again, to be honest with you, um, it, it, simply put. But, yeah, just the Lakers and five, man, they're just too talented and i know i i did say the clippers in 6 but this time around i feel like <laughs> the real la team will be able to put out denver just just because the firepower man and i say firepower a lot but this time i really mean it um i am worried about the three point shooting and who is who exactly is going to defend spend their time defending murray um but yeah lakers they they seem dead set on making the finals and that's destiny i do not want to see and me the fans the journalists adam silver himself do not want to see denver's in the denver in the finals as awesome as their run has been um i don't think i don't think anyone will allow that especially lebron james so expect the lakers to be able to take it in five and that was longer than i had expected but if you made it this far Thank you for listening. Um, make sure to subscribe, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe on Spotify, to follow me on Apple Podcasts, to rate on both apps and to leave a comment on, on Apple podcast. And, um, yeah. uh, Thank you. If you made it this far, this is the longest one I've had yet. I had a lot to say. Um, the, a lot had happened, but, um, yeah, I've just been really busy, and and yeah, thank you, and, and stay tuned for more content. Till next time, I am out. Peace.